Hey friends, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I want to personally welcome you to our podcast. At TC, we exist to see people transformed from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. Welcome to Transformation Church. Let's give it up for Jesus one more time, everybody, all across this place. Good to see you guys, all of you that are online. We love you, our family that's all over because of COVID and everything else, man. People are worshiping with us all over the world, and so we are so excited. And we're excited to get into the series today uh, to catch you up in case you didn't know what in the world is going on here. Uh, Last year, we did a series called Sushi, Sex, and Subtitles, and it was by far one of our most watched, responded to, uh, and appreciated series that we've ever done at Transformation Church. And so uh, why not a round two, right? No, uh, in all honesty, uh, COVID hit and we had to stop uh, doing services. And when COVID hit, we responded to that with going into a series about encouragement. We actually cut uh, this series short last year and uh, everybody was like, hey, are you going to finish? Hey, are you going to finish? Hey, is that coming back this year? And we were like, yes, yes, it's coming back. So we're so excited that you guys are here. I want to invite you throughout this whole series to take notes uh, we handed out, we did, we brought back fill in the blanks just for this series. Uh, and so I want to invite you to take notes, write stuff down, put it in your phone, follow along with us. You can go, you can go uh, to the electronic notes if you want to by going to mytc.life um, and you can, you can find the notes there as well. Uh, if you brought your paper Bible and your paper to write notes on, which I always encourage, um, I would love for you guys to do that. Here's the deal. I believe that uh, if you are single, dating, engaged, or married, this series is going to speak to you. Now, in the next three weeks, we're going to talk more about marriage because the last part of the series, we dealt with singleness and all of that. Um, but nonetheless, if you'll grab a hold of it, I believe it'll help change your life, whether it's for your current relationship or the one that you're praying that God is going to bring to you. I believe it'll help change your life. So turn to your neighbor and say, are you ready? All right, let's go there. They say, they didn't say yes. They just, yeah, I, I don't know, right? So, um, but how many guys know that in a, health, or in, in a, a society and culture where we see unhealthy people everywhere, right? I don't mean health as in like physical stature. I'm talking about mental health, psychological health, just spiritual health. Like we have unhealthy people everywhere. We can realize that uh, it's breaking relationships. It's breaking marriages. It's breaking business partners, right? So uh, maybe the relationship you, that is most fragmented for you right now isn't necessarily your marriage. Maybe it's in business. Um, but wherever the relationship is, There's unhealthy versions of people that are damaging those relationships. How many guys know we're only as healthy together as we are individually? Y'all gonna have to do better than that. So how many guys know we're only as healthy together as we are individually, right? Too many people are expecting to show up and that person to fix them so that now they can be good. The reality is that's not how that works. Matter of fact, uh, I put it in your notes like this. A healthy me is the only person ready for a healthy we. Out the gate, all right? So a healthy me is the only person that's ready for a healthy we. Listen, your marriage, your relationship, your engagement, your whatever will never be better than you are by yourself. And I'm going to go ahead and say this now. It's not your partner's responsibility to make you better. So let's go. Okay. But here's the problem. What is normal to you may not be what's best for you. I'm going to say that again. What's normal to you may not be what's best for you. And the problem is we've allowed normality to be shifted 
And 50 years ago, 60 years ago, 70 years ago, what was normal in a marriage, what was normal in a relationship was understood and accepted. The problem is we've got so many people that are jacked up going into marriages that their marriage is jacked up out of the gate. We've got so many people going in that are messed up. And here's what the problem is. Two things have distorted our view of what's right or what's normal. Either it's our past where we've allowed our past to dictate how we respond to the present and the future. Here's a phrase that we've, we, we use. Well, that's just the way I've always done it. Well, how has that gotten you so far? Your attitude, your disrespect, and your ability to abuse mentally the person that you're with just because you got jacked up issues is not an excuse to keep doing it that way. Okay. The second thing and I think the one that probably shapes us even more than our past is our parents. Now, young people, you can grab a hold of this. Parents, you're like, oh, man, no, don't meddle here. Just, just move on. But we've watched, we watched things happen in our parents' relationship that we've accepted as normal, but they're not. We watched our father neglect our mother. Now, not necessarily me, but we've watched fathers neglect mothers and we think that in our marriage, we should be putting our work over our wife, fellas, because that's what we saw happen. The way I show them that I love them is by providing them. No, the way you show, you show them that you love them is giving time to them. But we've accepted things that aren't normal as normal, therefore we pursue it that way. We've accepted that you can talk to your spouse any kind of way, and that's just how you do things. No, that's the wrong way you do things. And what I want to highlight for you today is just because that's the way I've always done it doesn't mean that's the way it should be done. Because today I want to talk about this is how we do it. Before we talk about this is how we do it, let's talk about how I've done it. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this, and it says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. That means let your life, let your bodies, let everything that goes on in your world be something you present to God and give to him. The kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Then it goes on and says, don't copy. Say don't. Everyone online, say don't. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Listen, because your knucklehead unsaved single friends are doing it doesn't mean you should. Just because the women that you hang out with, ladies, that aren't married, don't love God, and are pursuing all the things they want in their life are doing it, doesn't mean it's a good reason for you to. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. Say new person. By changing the way you think. By changing the way by changing how you've always done it, by changing what you think is acceptable and normal, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. But hear me, if you're going to have good, pleasing, and perfect, it's not just changing your actions. How many of you have ever tried to go on a diet before? Okay, almost everybody. All right. How many of you know when you just tried to change the food that you ate, it didn't help at all? Maybe you lost some weight, but all you were thinking about was that pizza on Friday, right? Or Thursday, Wednesday, because no one resurrects a diet on a Friday, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, got to wait till Monday again. So, but just changing what you do doesn't work 
But how many of you guys have successfully changed aspects of your life and you realize it's not about transforming my actions as much as it's about transforming the way I think? And God said, if we'll change the way we think, we can actually live out a life going after God. Before we get to a healthy marriage, healthy relationships, healthy homes, healthy, all of those things, we have to identify what they're not. I'm going to give these to you relatively quickly because we're moving on. Here are things that are not the way we should do it. Repeating what I've always seen is the first one. It's not in your notes, but repeating what I've always seen. Refusing to care. We, we have to find ourselves in a position where we refuse to carry out the family norms that we saw that are unhealthy for our marriages. Just because our parents did it doesn't mean we should. And here's the question that I have for you. Am I duplicating what I hated in the relationships I saw growing up? Let me put that in a way that you may understand it. You hated the way your parents talked to you, but when you don't pay attention, that's the exact way you talk to the ones you love. I hated how my parents were absent most of the time, but if you're not careful and you don't look at your schedule specifically, you'll find yourself absent in the lives of the ones you love. Am I repeating what I hated in my relationship with my parents? And there's a good chance that at least part of it is. So here's a solution for you. Start breaking the mindsets and patterns by bringing people into your relationships that have what you want. I'm going to say that again, that have what you want. What I mean by that is this. If you want a happy marriage, stop going to divorced people for suggestions. And I'm not here to bag on divorce. I'm saying you need to find some people that got a good marriage and say, hey, what are you doing over there? I want more. You seem to love your wife more than anything in the world. What, what, I know y'all have problems. What is it? How do y'all get through these issues? How, what, what, how do you manage to, to hold on when things get hard? Stop going to the one whose ship just sunk to get advice on how to get close to land. We need to connect to people that have thriving relationships and start finding out how they're doing it. But our tendency is what? To find people we think we're better than. So we feel better about the problems we have. Some of y'all are like, I ain't coming back next week at all. I'm not, I'm not interested in this. Next, we got to stop excusing our unhealthy behavior. Hear me. Just because you know it's there doesn't mean it's okay to let it stay. What is it that you have that is unhealthy behavior? And this can look a number of different ways. But one of the ones I think I see it most in marriages is holding back affection for the sake of manipulation. I'm not going to show you I love you till you do the thing I want. So we have to stop excusing unhealthy behavior. What, what about refusing to change? Every woman that I've ever sat down with that has a, a, a husband that abuses either mentally or physically has all said, but they said this is the last time. Hear me, it is vital that when you identify a part of yourself that needs to change, that you change it. Because if you don't change it, it will never change. So turn to your neighbor and say, it'll change. Especially if you sit next to your spouse, all right? If you sit next to your best friend, they're like, no, you're not, shut up, leave me alone. Okay, so uh, <laughs> another unhealthy behavior, I'll give you this one, demanding a one-sided relationship. Demanding a one-sided 
relationships. So here's a question that I have for you that I want you to assess. This is, these are self-assessments that I'm praying God will show you could change in your life. Am I looking for a person to be my spiritual partner for the person that I'm not yet? Here's what I mean by that. Am I looking for the person? Some of you are looking for the right one that's doing the right things the right way, but you aren't the right one doing the right things the right way. Some of you, ladies, some of you are looking for a man that loves God, reads the word, prays every day, and respects everyone around them, but you're not a woman that loves God, prays every day, reads their Bible, or respects anyone around them. You are looking for something you're not even ready to have yet. Fellas, same way. Like, listen, high school was a long time ago. So if you're looking for a stone-cold fox, but like you've let yourself go emotionally, physically, and every other kind of way. If you're looking for a strong woman that loves God, who's independent, has got her stuff together, maybe you need to make sure that you're a strong man that loves God and has got his stuff together. So a lot of times, and I, used to, I, I talk to teenagers about this all the time, we, we look for the person that we're not ready to have yet because we're not ready to be the person that's ready to handle the person God's trying to send us. So here's the solution. Everyone already turned live stream off. I shouldn't even talk to the camera no more. <laughs> I'm coming back for the fun series. I don't know what's going on with this. Summertime. Okay, so here's, here's my solution for you. If, if that's you, right, start focusing on becoming rather than searching. Start focusing on becoming rather than searching. If you look at what you're becoming, God will bring in his right time the person that's ready to be beside you as you're becoming who God is calling you to be. So, moving on, and this one is important, I think especially for single people and just the church in general, we've got to stop worshiping and idolizing marriage as the ultimate fulfillment in people's lives. Listen, if you are here and you're part of the past generation, stop asking your single niece, daughter, etc., when they're getting married. You're putting pressure on them to fall in love with somebody that doesn't love them just to make you happy. So we've got to stop worshiping marriage like an idol as if that's the ultimate fulfillment for people that are growing up. Let me help. Some of you are like, please don't. Okay, no. Uh, idolizing marriage creates unrealistic expectations on the marriage itself and the spouse that's going into it. If marriage is the ultimate fulfillment and then you get there and you find out that marriage is work. Come on, married people. I said marriage is work, okay? Like, so there was a few voices that were probably louder than they needed to be. So uh, uh, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Marriage takes work. Am I right, married folks? So listen, if you're going into it thinking it's 100% bliss, you're going to live let down because it takes work. And so we have to realize that we have to manage our expectations because it's unfair on the relationship. And hear me, it's unfair on the spouse to think that their whole job is to make sure you're happy. Then if we're idolizing marriage, we, fail, we, we are failing the idea of singleness, especially in the church. Listen, God did not call every person to be married. There are some men or women that their life may not have marriage in the cards for it, and God designed it that way for them. And hear me, by constantly idolizing marriage as the ultimate level of fulfillment, we are declaring that they're not good enough. 
And hear me, they are. If you're here today and you may even believe that's for you, you're good enough. God designed you, called you, and is leading you specifically where you are. And you don't, that just means that he doesn't have it in the cards for a spouse to be with you. But hear me, he'll carry you by yourself. But we've got to stop creating this pinnacle of, uh, of idolization for marriages. And so uh, here's what I have for you. Uh, and that goes for late marriage too. Some people, God may ha- have it in the cards for them to get married until they're 40. Stop pegging them at 25 and giving them a hard time. Question I have for you, am I idolizing marriage as some sort of ultimate fulfillment? And that's for anybody, even those of you that are married. Am I idolizing marriage as some sort of ultimate fulfillment? And the solution for that, start finding true joy in the relationship with the only one that can give it to you. Start finding true joy in the relationship with the only person, which is Jesus, by the way, that can give it to you. Pursue him and help, he'll help bring alongside you what you need. So we talked about how I've always done it. We've talked about how not to do it. Now let's talk about this is how we do it. All right. Turn your neighbor and say, this is how we do it. Did any of y'all catch the track for the announcements earlier? Okay. I thought I saw some of y'all moving. Okay. So uh, this is how we do it. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 says this. Follow God's example. Say God's example. Not your single friend's example. Not the world's example. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly beloved children, or dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us uh, as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. You see, one of the first things we have to do as we're talking about how we do it, because how are we supposed to do it? Marriage, relationships, life in general, it's supposed to look like what God did and what Jesus did for the church, which is constantly living in a life of laying it down for the betterment of everyone. We should be pursuing what God has for us as sacrifice to say, you know what, I'm here in a relationship with you, not to demand from you, but to give to you. Okay, it's quiet now. All right, so how do we do that? One, first, we identify and change our patterns of selfishness. Listen to you. It is up to you to identify and change your patterns of selfishness. Ephesians 5.3 gives us a window into this. I want to give it to you. It says, uh, but among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality uh, or any kind of impurity or greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Now, here's the deal. In the church, we've gotten really good at like hammering away at sexual immorality and impurity. All right. Like, if you grew up in church, like, the 12 steps of not having sex before marriage thing, like, all of that. And I agree with that, by the way. That, <laughs> I didn't want that to go down a wrong path. So, maintaining purity before marriage is important. We're going to deal with, with sex and a couple things next week. But I think the part that we skip over that I want to highlight for us today is greed. See, many of us are greedy in our relationships We're greedy in our lives. We're making things all about me. Like we're making our whole life, our relationships, our marriage. I'm making it about me. About what I want, what what I need, what what I need to happen. One of the greatest faults in Christian marriage is thinking that that person exists for my pleasure. Like, God, thank you for bringing someone for my pleasure. Hear me. God did not bring them to you for your pleasure. He brought them to you for his purpose. God's got something he's doing in your life, and now they are a part of it. So 
What, ha- what do we have to understand? We have to understand that marriage isn't about your pleasure. It's about partnership. Marriage isn't about pleasure. It's about partnership. Now, don't get me wrong. There are pleasures in marriage, but that's not God's priority. He built it that way. There's enjoyments about marriage, but that's not what God designed it for. It's about partnership. If, and I want to say this to you, for those that are single, dating, engaged, if you're not ready for the sacrifice of partnership, you're not ready for the commitment of marriage. Because marriage is a partnership. Marriage folks, can I get an amen on that? Like, it is a partnership. Marriage is not 50-50, it's 100-100. You put everything in, and the other party puts everything in, and together you get everything out of it that God wants you to get out of it. But the second any of you pull back to 50, it is now a one-sided relationship. True marriage isn't about getting what you want. It's about giving what they need. I'm going to say that again. True marriage isn't about getting what you want. It's about giving what they need. God, if he brings you together to marry someone, he has put the things inside of you that your spouse needs. And he has put the things inside of your spouse that you need. And together, you guys have a union that is beautiful and perfect. But hear me, when both parties are doing that, we're able to experience what God designed marriage to be, which is a beautiful union between two people. Matthew 16, 24 says this, Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me. So Jesus is talking to his disciples here, and he's saying, if anyone wants to come after me, if anyone wants to have a relationship with me, let him deny himself. Say, deny myself. Deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, this is Jesus talking to the disciples. This isn't Jesus leading a marriage conference. Okay, so just to be clear, but what do we get out of this? Well, God said in his word that we are to love our spouse the way Jesus loved the church. So what is it going to take for us to love our spouse properly if Jesus and the church is the example of marriage? Well, if we're going to love our spouse properly, how do we love Jesus properly? We deny ourselves look at our problems and start fixing them as we pursue our spouse. And so we have to lock into this idea. The second thing, well, before I get there, I do want to give you this too. Hear me. Marriage is not about your happiness. It's about your holiness. Now, let me help you understand what I mean by that. God didn't give you your spouse to make you happy. He gave you your spouse to make you holy. Your spouse is designed specifically, and the marriage folks, you're just going to get a kick out of this. I want to go ahead and tell you now. And I said it in the last part of the series, but I'm going to say it in this one. Your spouse is designed specifically to irritate you on purpose. I'm not kidding. How many of you got a spouse, they do a couple things, they're like, if they would fix that, like, we could, we'd be good. You're not raising your hands, I see. Okay, so how many of y'all got a spouse? Like, if they would just, that, they got, there was one or two. Like, okay, so... Thank you for honesty. Okay, so we got one or two things. If they would just handle that, I feel like we're in a lot better shape. Hear me. Okay, perfect. Them two. Uh, no, okay, perfect. Okay, so <laughs> hear me. Now, honest to God, I want you to hear what I'm about to say for a second. Because marriage is not about your happiness, it's about your holiness. God put inside of your spouse the very things that would irritate you to show you the parts of your life you've let to give to God yet. If they got a problem, that's not their problem. That's your problem because it bothers you. It don't bother them. So if they do that thing that irritates you and it's not sinful, that doesn't mean they need to fix that. That means you need to adjust you. 
You need to fix your position on how you view that thing. That is there to show you that you haven't let go of your greedy nature yet. The greedy nature that says you want things to be the way you want things. That this should go the way I want them to go. You need to fix that in you because it bothers me. Actually, no. God let that thing exist in them so that you would see that you ain't quite like Jesus yet. You still got a few more things to work on. Your marriage is not about your happiness. It's about your holiness. Are we helping change your perception of marriage already? We need to see what is happening correctly. Next, number two, we have to start holding people accountable for their actions and no one else's. We got to start holding people. We got to start holding our spouses. We got to start holding those that we love accountable for their actions and no one else's. Listen, what their parents did to them is not your responsibility to handle. What their ex, what your ex did to you is not your spouse's responsibility to fix. I want to make sure you hear this because I'm, I'm hoping to God this will help heal some of you. Stop putting the pressure on your spouse to fix what your ex broke. They don't have the ability to do what only God can do which is bring the healing that's necessary into your life. Hear me. It's not Ashley, my wife. She's beautiful. She's amazing. She might make an appearance on stage today. Okay, so, uh, but uh, she's, she's incredible. But hear me, the people that have jacked me up in the past, it's not her responsibility to fix me because they messed me up. It's an impossible, impossible expectation for her to meet. And when she doesn't meet it because I created the expectation, the guilt she feels is my fault, not hers. We have to realize that it's not on them to fix what somebody else broke. Hear me. The only person responsible for your healing is you. The only person responsible for your healing is you. Now, God does the healing, but the only person responsible to go after it is you. They can't get you healed. And there's nothing they can do that will make it easier. Now, I want to talk to you about this idea because forgiveness is a necessary part of this. Forgiveness is important because, I want you to understand this, forgiveness is important because hatred for anyone hurts your relationship with everyone. Your hatred for the person that you used to date is destroying the relationship you have now. And you need to forgive what's behind you so you can pursue what's in front of you. I'm going to keep moving quickly. Proverbs 10:12 says this, hatred stirs up conflict. Hear me. Even with those you don't hate, hatred stirs up conflict. I'm going to say it one more time. Even with those that you don't hate, having hatred in your heart stirs up conflict, even with the people that you don't have hatred towards. Your hatred with the people of your past is destroying the people in your present. You need to deal with and forgive what's behind you so you can start moving with the people that's in front of you. It's gotten quiet. Okay. But hear me. But love covers all wrongs love covers all wrongs what if the person coming into your life could bring love to you that once you've forgiven what's behind you they could partner with you to pursue the thing that's in front of you and that's what marriage is hear me one more thing about forgiveness if you don't forgive the people who hurt you you'll bleed on the ones that didn't cut you I said, if you don't forgive the people that hurt you, 
you'll bleed on the ones that didn't cut you. And it's not their responsibility. The only thing they're responsible for is to be present in your growth, not to fix what was broke. Ephesians 4, 26 through 27 says this, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity. Say no, no opportunity. No opportunity to the devil. In other words, he's saying when you're dealing with hatred and anger in your heart and you let the sun go down that way, you're letting the enemy get a hold of your relationship and he's going to start distorting it and ruining it. We've got to start pursuing it. Here, I want to give you this. This isn't in your notes. Listen to me, married folks and single folks and all the folks online and in the room. Get better at letting things go. We have a phrase in my house that we ask ourselves. We don't ask each other this. That'd be, that would be worse. Okay, but uh, is this the hill you want to die on? Is what you're about to argue about the thing that you would let come between your relationship? The answer almost all the time is no. Unless we're picking where we're eating, I really feel like that's an important one that we need to like give more credence to. And I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Someone build an app. Okay, please. We'll just scroll, select, and then my wife will tell me it's the wrong one, and she'll tell me what she wanted to or, or start with. It'll be awesome. All right, so moving on. Last but not least, we establish honor. Say honor. We establish honor for the people God brought us. We establish honor for the people that God has brought to us when we stop focusing on trying to change them and we stop focusing on the things that we want, we can start building honor for the one that God brought to us. There's a few ways that we honor. We, a, we need to honor ourself. Say myself. You need to honor yourself. One of the ways that you need to understand that you do that is keeping yourself as pure as possible before marriage. Because when you introduce someone into your life sexually before you're married, you spiritually become one with that person and you take on all the things that they have messed up in their life from a spiritual level. Now, I know some of you are familiar with this, but some of you may, may not have heard this. Hear me. If you engage and become one with somebody, all of their jacked up spiritual stuff now becomes yours. And your goal to help lead them spiritually will now become a sliding conviction to go to where they are spiritually. Honor yourself. Honor, for those that are single and unmarried, honor your partner in God by maintaining purity in your relationship until you get married. I know that's a lost message in today's culture. But hear me, if you honor them enough to wait till you're married to be sexually active with them, you're telling them they are a prize to be earned, not a property to have. Keep going. Okay, very good. And also, hear me, for those of you that are going to expect or hope for God to bless your marriage, it's also honoring God enough to say, I'm going to wait for what I want to take what you're giving me. I'm going to prioritize you in my marriage, knowing that because I've done that, you're going to bless my marriage. And that's important. All right, let's keep going. Colossians 3, 18 through 19, because I really want to get to this next part. This is where marriage falls in the church. You guys ready for this? Fellas, this is your, this is your part, all right? You guys ready? Say yes. Okay, ladies, I don't know if I would have said yes on that part. That was more just for fellas. Okay, so wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. This is dangerous. I wouldn't raise my hand or say much right now. Okay, so wives, submit you to your husbands 
as is fitting to the Lord. Listen, we've heard that growing up, right? And all the wives, like all the wives are like, oh, dear God, with this already. Husbands, love your wives and don't be harsh with them. And that's the way we've approached marriage in the church. Men, be men. Wives, submit. Oh, and men, don't be harsh with them, but make sure they submit. Like, literally, that's the way that, that message has been preached in churches. I don't know if it, that's how, like, I felt like I read it growing up. Not necessarily the way Pastor Dan preached it, but I just felt like, like, that's the tone in church. Am I right? But that's not what it means. I, I want to take you to Ephesians 5.21, because this actually gives us the better picture of what marriage looks like. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, that does mean that the man goes first and then the wife sees that and submits. I'm actually gonna, to help with this, I'm gonna try to hurry. I'm gonna invite my wife to come out here. Um, My beautiful, amazing, gorgeous, there she is. This is my, this is, she does exist. For some of you, you didn't know she does exist. She just hates this right now. Like she's panic attack mode right now. Okay, so, but I want to talk to you because marriage is like a dance. And the thing is, is, is we've approached marriage because the Bible says in Colossians 3, it does say that wives submit to your husbands, but it's not the type of submit that we think it means. It's, 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 a, it's a following and a leading like a dance. And what we have to do is we have to get better at seeing what that's supposed to look like. So to help you out with it, I want to go ahead and help you understand something. So if Ashley and I were going to dance, and I don't mean like club dance, okay? So some of y'all calm down, all right? I know know what some of y'all were like. I'm not talking about like, okay, that's not what I'm talking about. So, But if we were going to dance, my job isn't to say, okay, Ashley, get on the dance floor. (laughs) It's a... That's not my job as a husband. My job as a husband didn't say, all right, Ashley, uh, start moving around. Go and start moving. Go and just like dance. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And it, and it, yeah, it, it right? So, but here's what I want you to grab a hold of. It's funny watching it this way, but this is what some of our marriages look like. You do all the things I want you to do, and if you're doing it right, I'll join. <laughs> am I right or am I wrong? When our marriage is selfish, do all the things I want you to do. And if you're doing it the way I like, I'll get involved. If not, I'll stand on the sideline and demand you change. But what marriage is supposed to look like is this. I step on the dance floor. And when she sees me step on the dance floor, now keep in mind, fellas, it is your job to go first. In this Gen Z millennial world of Instagram and Facebook, fellas, you have lost your courage and your backbone to pursue a woman properly. And you need to get that together. All the ladies are like, yes, please. That was your chance, ladies. Okay, so like. But in all honesty, listen to me. If you don't have the courage to pursue them, you won't have the boldness to lead them. And you need to get your stuff together, fellas. And you need to find an older man that will teach you how to pursue a woman properly. Because just trying to get into the sheets with her is not honoring her. Leading her is honoring her. Not even in my notes. That was free. That was a bonus. Okay, so uh, I step on the dance floor. I'm going to try to hurry. I step on the dance floor. And because she sees me step on the dance floor, she now has the confidence to step on it too. 
I extend my hand to her. And because she has seen me extend my hand, my hand, she now feels safe to extend hers too. And then I, then we'll, we'll do that. And now, and, and we're going to, we're going to dance for a second. Okay. So we're going to, and then listen to me. This is what marriage looks like. Now we would never dance like this. Okay. We, we'd be far more ratchet than this, but I just want you to know. But, but I do want you to get this. I do want you to get this. When you look at marriages and you go, golly, look how they've got it together. The reason that it's beautiful is because they have the confidence to trust one another. And as they dance together, you're going, wow, look at, look at that. You almost can't even tell who's leading it because together they're doing this. Now listen, who's leading right now? I'll tell you, it's me. And that's okay. And hear me, the wives submit to your husband part isn't do what I say. It's look at the example. And when he's giving you the confidence to follow, be okay trusting him. The submit is submitting to a husband that's also leading properly. And so we dance and we dance and we dance. And, and, then, and then we come to this part right here and look at that. I was, I was going to kiss her on stage, but I mean, that's, not, that's too much for y'all. That's a different party. Okay, so. But here's what I want, I want to give this to you and we're going to wrap up. Here's why this is important. You can, you can walk. I know you're, she's terrified right now. Thank, give it up for my wife, Ashley. She's amazing. I want to give this to you quickly and we'll wrap up today. Because I, I really want you to grab a hold of this. Marriage is supposed to be a dance. But hear me. When I create safety and security for my wife, she trusts me to lead her. Right? Listen, I offer my hand. She reaches out to take it. I offer to lead. She agrees to follow. Right? I hold her in security. Then she responds with respect. Fellas, hear that again, husbands. I hold her in security, and then she responds with respect. Stop looking for respect if you're not creating security. So I hold her in security, she responds with respect. I give her confidence to rest in my arms, and she responds with touch. Start giving your wife something to rest in, and she'll start responding with more touch. I lead her with connectivity, meaning affirmation and communication, and she responds with intimacy. We're expecting, but we don't understand what it looks like to give. But if we would give properly, men, I'm particularly talking to you right now. If we would give properly, then we can have an expectation out of our wife to submit, if you will, or a better word I think would be partner with us. But we got to stop expecting when we're not doing the partnering. So what happens in that space? Too many of us are looking for a partner to just do it all. And if we like the way they do it, we'll get involved. And that's not marriage. Marriage is a partnership. Why is this important? I'm going to give you this as we get ready to wrap up. Fellas, a woman's greatest need is security. A woman's greatest need is security. When she feels secure, she'll trust. So a woman's greatest need is security. And hear me, when she doesn't have security, she loses confidence in you. And that's when the lashing out begins. 
Give her the confidence of security and you'll receive intimacy and peace. But when she doesn't get it, she responds out of fear. Not out of agitation, out of fear. Not out of frustration, out of fear. So when the rocks start flying in your house, it's fear that got us there first, not anger. Fellas, your, or ladies, the men's greatest need is value. They need to be valued. And when they're not valued, their vulnerability becomes hard to navigate. When they don't feel valued, they have a hard time trusting. And when they have a hard time trusting, they lash out out of fear. And then what happens when two people are lashing out? It turns into what I call in counseling a rock-throwing contest. How many of you have ever got to like DEFCON 3 or 4 in your marriage before? And it's like, well, you, and then, well, you, and it's like, oh, boy, you know. And we start throwing rocks. Here's the problem with a rock-throwing contest. Who wins? Nobody. Because the only time we stop throwing rocks is when someone throws one big enough that the other one doesn't want to respond. We got to change how we communicate in our marriages. So we start throwing rocks at each other and then we get hurt. How many of you guys have been hurt before? Raise your hand. We get hurt. Guess what happens when you get hurt, but you don't deal with your hurt. You just take your hurt into the next relationship. Well, guess what happens in that relationship? Now you're the victim. Guess what happens when you're the victim? You have a victim mentality. Guess what happens when you have a victim mentality? You believe you were innocent and what they did was terrible. And you fail to take your responsibility. Guess what happens when you fail to take responsibility? You master manipulation. And when you master manipulation, you manipulate yourself into being convinced that you had no problems and they were the only one. And here's the problem with manipulation. If you'll convince yourself with manipulation, what would you do to convince somebody else? But manipulate. Now I know all of us are like, that sounds pretty drastic, Brad. It's happening every day. Healthy marriages are going to have to change some things because we have to regain our confidence in one another. So I'll give you this. We need to repent of the areas we've not done it right. And we need to start looking to God to help us do it right. We need to repent of the areas we've gotten it wrong. And we need to look to God to help us in the areas where we need to help us get it right. Here's a question I have for you, and we'll wrap up today. How different could our marriages look if we changed how we've always done it? How different could our marriages look if we changed how we've always done it? Because I believe God wants us to create marriages full of safety, honor, and communication described in the Bible so that we can make sure that from now on, this is how we do it. Let's pray, guys. Father, we thank you for today. God, I thank you for every person that's here. Lord, I pray that the relationships and the people that you're gonna change starting today would be transformed, that they would see how you are leading them to do things differently. We thank you today and we love you in Jesus' name. With every head bowed and your eyes closed today, if you're here, and very simply because we've gone over on time, if you're here today, you need God in your life. You've got sin, you've got things that are messed up, and you need Jesus to give you a fresh start and a new beginning. I want to pray with you today. And so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to lead everyone in the room and online in a prayer. And I want you to repeat this prayer after me. And if you're here today and you need Jesus to forgive you of your sins, give you a fresh start, and you're ready to pursue after God, 
then today is your day to start that journey. Let's pray, guys. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. I believe in you. I believe you died for me. I give you my life. Make me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. TC, let's give it up for everybody that prayed that all across this place, man. We celebrate with you.